What is up, podcast? I have been recently inspired by a, actually a GitHub repo where someone named Alex uh, detailed what really happened when you go to your browser's address box and type in google.com and hit enter. He sat down and wrote to the low-level details what actually happened. Okay, so I decided I was very inspired by that uh, repo. It's like it's actually a readme.md, and uh, I was really inspired by that. Uh, so I decided to make a video about it, and uh, obviously it turned into a podcast talking about the low-level nitty-gritty details, right? So I took uh, from that uh, repo, obviously I fully created that, and I also added way a lot of information. I removed stuff that I don't particularly care about, like keyboard events and, and operating system stuff, and I focused more on the network king aspect of what happens you know, ARP requests, uh, DNS requests, uh, uh, DNS over HTTPS, uh, things like that, TLS communication, TLS 1.3, ALPN, uh, uh, SNI, server name indication, all that jazz, HTTP 2, HTTP 3, uh, all these details. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast uh, and let me know what you guys want to see next. Uh, Really appreciate it. That said, enjoy the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In this video, I want to go through what really happens under the hood when you type google.com and you hit enter in your browser. This video is inspired by Alex's GitHub page below. I'm going to reference it below. It has a great detailed description of what really happens when you do that thing, right? I did, however, add more details at the networking aspects of things. And I also removed stuff that like uh, keyboard events and low-level operating systems that I, I don't really care about. I, I'm really interested in the networking aspect and the software engineering aspect of it, all right? So if you're interested to know what really happened when you type Google Google.com and hit enter. Stay tuned. New here. Welcome. My name is Hussein, and in this channel, we discuss all sorts of software engineering by example. So, if you want to become a better software engineer, consider subscribing and hit that bell icon so you get notified every time I upload a new software engineering video. With that said, let's just jump into this video. All right, I'm going to break up this video into eight parts, eight components to talk through, right? And we're going to go through each component one by one and i am assuming that i'm hitting google.com it is 2020 or 2019 latest so it's i'm using the latest chrome version latest that is a firefox version i'm not going to specify which browser i'm going to use because i'm going to talk i want to talk through different browsers technologies and that is the most important thing 
this is a brand new machine. Assuming this is a brand new machine, this is a brand new browser. I never visited Google ever. I This is a brand new machine. Nobody ever opened the browser. So Google.com will be the first page I ever visit. Okay. So that's that's the caveat I want to I want to go. That's the context I want to go through. Okay, that's it. First step: initial typing. You start typing G O O G L E dot com. You start typing, and the first letter you type G. What happened is many things. The browser will either start looking for your history and pages that start with the letter G in your recent visited history and start showing you an autocomplete list or some browser will actually do a search to an index that is local through the locally searched index that is cached some browsers might actually send a request to a server to this default search engine baked into the browser right i'm not gonna go through any of those i'm gonna go through the first step where you're listing the visited uh the history of the pages that you visited okay let's assume that so you're getting a list of the visited pages which is nothing because you never visited any pages okay so all right so that's the first step you finished typing google.com second step Google.com has finished typing it and you're about to hit enter. You didn't add any HTTP slash. You didn't add anything. You just type Google.com and hit enter. So the browser does is now it accepted that. That's what Alex is start explaining. It's like, okay, there's a keyboard event that you're listening to. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to go through this. I want to go through actual networking aspects and the software engineering high level stuff, right? So you hit that now. You have Google.com as a string. The browser will start parsing this thing and it asks a question. Is this a URL or is this a search term? Right? If it's a search term, it actually does a search, and I'm not gonna go through that. Okay. If it's a URL, it visits that page. All right. It, it starts the process to visit the Google.com page. Okay. And we're going through this route. Okay. We're going to Google.com. It's a page. I figured out it's a page. It's a website. So I want to establish a connection with that website. And I want to send a get request to that website. So that's the next thing we need to do. Okay. So step two, done. Okay. We know it's a URL. We know it's a page. Let's go ahead and visit it. Third step. Determining which protocol and which port to connect to right? Why do we need to know which protocol? Well, we know it's a page, so it's either HTTP or HTTPS. So that's the trick. Is it HTTP unencrypted port 80 or is it HTTPS encrypted on port 443? Because the, the user didn't tell us. It only, he only or she only told us google.com. It didn't tell us HTTP colon slash slash. That would be easier for the browser, right? Or it didn't say HTTPS colon slash slash google.com. It says just google.com. So the browser has to figure out what's the protocol, okay? And by default, prior to certain version, browsers were always going to uh, HTTP. It's always assumed that it's HTTP, which is unencrypted. That causes a lot of man-in-the-middle attacks. And we uh, we talked about a video called SSL stripping. 
and HSTS, I want you to go and check our video out to learn more about why it is bad to visit for the user to visit a, a website as a plain HTTP. It's so bad, right? Even that the web server has actually supports HTTPS, right? So this the browser invented concepts called HSTS, and we made a video about that. I'm gonna reference it below. Go ahead and check it out. But HSTS stands for HTTP Strict Transport Security. And it's essentially a list that the browsers keep cached in, its, uh, in a local database. And it has the most famous web pages that forces users or clients to communicate only through HTTPS. So what does what the client does is it looks through its list and says, hey, is google.com an HTTPS site or is it just a normal HTTP? If it found it in HTTPS list, then it uses the HTTPS protocol. That means the port will be 443. Okay? If, it, if it's not in the list, then it will be forced to use HTTP, which is unsecure, which, which means that the port is 80. Okay, so that is essentially the step. So I know the protocol now. Let's assume we went through the HTTPS part, okay, which is port 443, and I know it's secure. So now I will only establish a secure communication to the google.com first, right? Before I actually establish, I do anything. I need to establish a communication. If, and I'm adding, I'm going to start adding a lot of Fs here, right? If Google.com was not in the HSTS list, then the protocol will be HTTP, then the port will be 80, then the TCP connection will go through the 80 port, which is a completely different connection, okay? We're going through HTTPS. Let's jump into it. Step four. DNS, the most complicated step here, okay? Here's the thing. DNS, domain name server, okay, or systems. I know google.com, I know the port, I know the protocol, the port is 443, the protocol is HTTPS, but I don't know the IP. I need to know the IP address in order to communicate with google.com, right? Because that's how, how TCP works, right? Everything is through TCP, the network layer. I need to know the IP address, and to know the IP address, I, know, I need to know even something lower than that we'll call the MAC address, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So how do I know the IP address of the google.com? I ask a DNS query. And here are the layers of DNS, right? First thing, the browser will check, okay, google.com, do I have an IP address for google.com ever, right? It's, a, it's, it's in its own cache. It, it has its own cache of this local DNS, right? Every browser have that. It says, hey, did I ever visit google.com? Well, no. If it did, it's going to pull up the IP address from its cache, which is very quick. If it doesn't, right, which, which is our case because we never opened any page before, right, it's going to move to the next thing. It's going to ask the operating system, hey, OS, do you know this Google.com thingy ever? And uh, I don't know if you hacked ever by a Windows machine old days in the 90s. There is a hosts file. We always used to play with that file. And that's essentially a mapping between a host and its IP. You can hard code that list in a host file. And we used to do it in all, all the time. We can, we can, we can fix the, 
fix an IP address for a given, especially when we do an online gaming back in the 90s, we want to force an IP address that is highly available. We were doing all this goofy stuff back then. All right. So the host file, it looks through the host file. Is google.com in the host file? Is there an IP address associated with it? Well, obviously, we don't have anything in the host file, so it jumps. And here's the thing. There is something new-ish. There's a, and there's a lot of drama. People talking about this called uh, DNS over HTTPS. And there's another thing called DNS over TLS. Okay. There's a lot of drama, controversy around this stuff, right? Some people want one over the other. Here's the thing about DNS, guys. DNS, if you don't know, is a UDP uh, service uh, listening on port 53, okay? And it's unencrypted. So anyone can know which domains you're going. Anyone on the internet, if you're using DNS, right? People know that you're going through DNS, okay? Well, there is a question mark there, but sure. Okay, so DNS requests are visible to your ISP. So your ISP, your work, actually know which page you're going to. You're going to Facebook.com, you're going to Google.com, but they cannot know these days, 2019, 2020, they, they, they cannot see what you're searching for, right? Let's be honest, unless they are using a terminating proxy, a TLS proxy, terminating proxy. That, if they are not, then they cannot see anything, okay? Except this thing. And people are starting to solve this problem, the DNS. Encrypted versus unencrypted. So how do they solve it? Two technologies were involved. DNS over TLS. So let's establish a TLS connection and do DNS over that. Or let's do DNS over HTTPS because it's just, we know HTTPS. We can use HTTP too because beautiful uh, bidirectional streaming technology and we can stream over that. Okay, so we, we can use the existing tech. Why do we have to create a, a custom port for DNS, right? And there's a fight between networking admins and, and, and the web security gurus, right? And uh, I kind of lean towards DOH, to be honest. The, the admin guys want to know, to not to monitor, because they can't, but they want to see DNS requests, they want to differentiate DNS requests from regular network web traffics, right? Okay. And if you're using DOH, you cannot do that, right? You just hide. All the DNS requests will become normal stuff, right? So long story short, DOH, right? If the browser supports DOH, which is DNS over HTTPS, it will do that through the DOS, right? The DNS through is going to do the DNS over HTTPS. So it will see what is your default HTTPS DNS provider, maybe CloudFrame, maybe Google, and it will establish a TLS connection. That's a different thing. I'm not going to talk about it, right? And it's going to do the DNS over there. Let's assume it's disabled, which it, which it is. As of 2019, December 27 today, right? 27, December 27th, 2019, this thing is disabled by default, right? A lot of problems, right? So it's still controversy, right? So it's disabled. So let's assume it's disabled on my browser. So I'm not going to do an encrypted DNS. So people will see my request. So the final step is to actually do a DNS. So what we do is we're going to do a DNS to find out my IP address. You see how complicated this thing is, guys, right? I hope you're still watching this video because... It is, it is a long process. I'm just talking about and I'm skipping through so much stuff. Okay. So if I'm connecting to a, 
if I'm connecting, uh, if I want to know the google.com IP address, I'm going to establish a UDP. There is no UDP connection, by the way. It's just I'm going to send a UDP datagram, user datagram, to the my default DNS provider, which usually is configured on my router, which is usually provided my by my ISP, which is in, in this case a Frontier. I did change mine to be 1111, which is the CloudFrail default DNS, right? Okay, so my DNS is 1111, okay? 1.1.1.1, .1 .1 .1. or maybe yours could be Google, so 8.8.8.8, okay? So you have to know the IP address of the DNS because you want to send a packet. So what do you do? You send a packet, right? So let's go through that. Okay, let's go through the details of how do we send a, a packet to 1.1.1.1 on port 53, okay? So I am a client, right? And let's assume my machine here, that's the first communication with the outside world here, guys, right? Let's assume my IP address is 10.0.0.2. And my gateway, which is the router, is 10.0.0.1. And the DNS provider that I want to communicate with is 1.1.1.1. Okay. And my MAC address is AA. And uh, my router MAC address is FF. Right. And that's all what we need to know so far. Okay. I want to send a UDP request. What do we do? We create an IP packet. Okay. And the IP packet will have in its layer three. We'll have the destination IP address saying 1.1.1.1, one 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 one, okay? And it will have the port 53, and the source IP will be 10.0.0.1, which is me. I am the client. And the port, the source port will be a random port. Let's say 3.3.3.3, okay? Random, okay? So now, what we do is, before we send that packet, we need to encapsulate it into a frame. Okay, and the frame is a layer two thingy, okay, which needs a MAC address, right? What the heck is the MAC address for 1.1.1.1? So we asked ourselves this question, and we says, well, 1.1.1.1 is not in my subnet, which is 10.0.0.1, because I, uh, my subnet mask does not fit this thing, right? So since it's not in my subnet, I cannot send it locally, so I cannot know its MAC address. So who the heck knows the MAC address of this thing? I don't know, right? The answer to that is the gateway, okay? If you don't know where to send it, you always send it to the gateway. And my gateway is 10.0.0.1, which is my router, right? Usually, usually it's my router. And, and I have like a, just a, a plain router in this case, okay? Sweet, All right? So I know that my router MAC address is FF, so I'm gonna send it to my router. My source is AA, MAC address, and I send it to the router. The router will receive the packet, right? And says, okay, you want to, I received the packet, the frame, right? It's FF, but I look at it and you, it looks like the client want to go to 1.1.1.1. Okay, so what do we do? How do we send it to 1.1.1.1? I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to go through it and do exactly the same process. Is this in my subnet, right? But I need to do some changing first. I'm going to do a NAT because I cannot send this packet on the internet naked like that because who the heck knows what the source IP 10.0.0.2 is because that's the that's an internal thing. So we need to change it to the public IP of the router, which is 
I forgot to say, but it's 44.1.2.4. So I got to change that thing, and I'm going to send it through the wire. And then, and then I'm, I'm going to use the same port, 3333, and I'm going to add a NAT table. This thing, network address translation, because I need to remember, It's because it's a very stateful thing, right? The whole thing. I'm going to add an entry in my NAT table saying that, hey, 10.0.0.2 on port 3.3.3 is actually going to 1.1.1.1 on port 53, and it's going, and I converted it to my power bug. So whenever we give back a response, we're going to forward it, to swizzle it back, and send it back to the client. Okay, that's what we do. So we send it over, we communicate with the 1.1.1.1, and we get a response, okay? We get back a response saying, hey, what is Google.com, Right? is google.com we receive the ip address from google.com and it is 4.1.2.3 and we receive a response and the 1.1.1 server will actually reply to my public router saying that hey this is my response 4.1.2.3 is the answer you're looking for destined to 44.124 on port 3333 because that's the port i am looking for again the dns doesn't know my client which is 10.0.0.2 it knows only the router the router receives it and says oh port 333 oh yeah i know where, where this is going this is supposed to go to ip address 10.0.0.2 because i looked up the nat table and then it goes back and then goes to the and the router's just forwards back the packets, right? And it does maybe another ARP request and it sends the information back to the client, okay? Now I know the IP address of google.com. How long was that, okay? That was a long time, all right. All right, DNS done, step four done. Now next, TCP connection, the most interesting part. TCP, what do we do with the TCP, guys? The TCP connection is, to establish a TCP connection, unlike the UDP, is there's no, it's a connectionless system. And we made a video between TCP and UDP. I'm going to reference it here. But TCP is a connection system. So there is a three-way handshake that happens. And I'm not going to go through details about this. But if I establish a TCP connection, I need to tell you the IP address, where I'm going, which I know now, right? It is 4.1.2.3. That's the IP address of Google. Okay, so 4.1.2.3. Which port? I'm gonna go to port 443 because I wanna go securely HTTPS. What's my internal IP address? It is 10.0.0.2. Okay, and what's my internal round random port number? That's a different port because 333 was reserved for something else. I'm gonna use 2222. Okay, 2222. Four twos. Send it. Okay, so uh, again, do the same thing, right? Is 4.1.23 is in my subnet? No, it's not. So I cannot send it directly, right? I cannot do an ARP request on this address resolution protocol. So what do I do? I need to send it to who? The gateway. What's my gateway MAC address? It's, it's 10.0.0.1, which I did an ARP before, and I found out that it's an FF. So I know the MAC address of this thing, and I'm going to send that packet to my router instead. My router receives that thing and looks at it and says, yeah, you want to go to 4.1.2.3 on port 443, and you are 10.0.0.2. I'm sorry, I cannot send you naked like that. I need to change your source IP address to mine, which is public. I know how to talk to the internet, 
it's very dangerous to go out there like that so i'm going to change you to 44.124 which is my public ip address and i send that information and, and then the port the internal port is 2222 so i'm sending it to 44123 and then we send it over okay now that's just the one single tcp connection establishment the reverse comes back again right and then we establish a tcp connection so let's assume this happened right so the three-way handshake happened now we have a full tcp connection between a client and google.com which is 4123 okay and there's a nat table in the router telling that hey 443 4123 public ip address 44124 which is me on port 2222 is actually 10002 which is that client ip address okay now we have a tcp connection we did that rp within an rp we did a nat which is a network address translation there is a thing that can happen here right let's let's throw a monkey wrench what if my client has a proxy in it if it if that client as a proxy what type of proxy is it a socks proxy is it an https proxy is it an http proxy okay if it's an http proxy nothing changes because i'm using https still communicating with google directly if i am using https proxy then the destination will be the ip address of the proxy and instead the ip address of google.com okay I'm not going to go through that path because that will take me another hour to explain. Okay. Made a lot of videos about proxies. Check them out, guys. Let's throw another monkey wrench. Let's assume we're communicating through HTTP 1.1, which is unsecure, which, which we are not, by the way. But let's assume, right? So since we, assume, can, uh, since we established one TCP connection, if we are communicating with HTTP 1.1, then we the browser might actually establish five other tcp connections because that this is how browsers does pipelining again something not we're not going to talk about this is so the browser can send multiple requests at the same time to multiple tcp connections instead of waiting right i talked about that in the http videos go check them out cool enough monkey wrenches jump to the next step we have a tcp connections what's next i still didn't send a single byte of data yet guys right i have a tcp connection of bi-directional between my client and the google.com i have it it's nice it's, it's just swizzled between many routers like there's like a lot of nat tables and routers and changing everything is a stateful thing between me and the google.com TLS. Here's the interesting part. The next step after the TCP connection is immediately we're going to establish the TLS connection, which is the encryption, which is transport layer security. And I made a video about TLS. I'm going to reference it here if you want to know the details of it. But here's in a nutshell. I'm assuming that my browser is the latest. It's 2020 almost. So I'm using TLS 1.3. It will be embarrassing if google.com doesn't support TLS 1.3 which i'm pretty sure they do okay so they do even my 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 site supports TLS 1.3 for god's sake okay so i'm assuming i'm version 1.3 so that is the same 
This is the latest stuff. It's a single round trip to do everything. Let's go through it. Okay, so version is 1.3. So I'm going to send the first thing I'm going to send is, yo, client hello. To do the client hello, that first request after the TACP established is, here's the things. I'm going to establish a public key and a private key, right, in my client. And I'm going to merge them because I'm going to do Diffie-Hillman. I'm going to merge these two through magic mathematics, right? I'm going to, these two numbers that I just generated, huge prime numbers, when merged, they cannot be broken. They can, they can be merged, right? But that's very difficult to break them, okay? That's the first information that we need to send, okay? The second information we need to send is the public key itself that we generated, okay? So we send public key and we send the merged information of the two and we send it. But before we send it, we also send some information. It says, hey, server, we're doing this handshake so we can agree on a symmetric key to encrypt our stuff, right? In order to encrypt our stuff, right, what do we do? We need to agree on a symmetric key. In order to, to agree on a symmetric key, we need to agree on a symmetric key. We need to establish this symmetric key. So that's why I'm doing all that stuff. I'm going to send you this merge keys, and I'm going to send you the public key, which even if someone sniffed the public key, it's public anyway. Who cares? Even if someone sniffed the merge key, they cannot get anything over it because it's extremely difficult to break those two numbers, okay? It's just like there's a magic mathematics that I don't understand. Okay, and I'm going to also tell you what ciphers I support for this symmetric information that we can agree on. I support EAS, I support DAS, hopefully not, <laughs> okay? I support Blowfish, I don't know what other symmetric ciphers are there. There's like a lot of fancy stuff. Okay, EAS, uh, 256 maybe, maybe more than that, okay? And then I'm going to send that. Before I send that, more information. Do I support uh, ALPN, which is the application layer protocol negotiation. Do I support uh, server name indications, okay? Which is things we talked about before in this channel, okay? And why do we do this? Why do we need the application layer protocol negotiation? Because we are cool. Because the ALPN is the best protocol out there, okay? It negotiates, it tells the client and the server that, hey, by the way, I'm gonna about to communicate with you HTTPS, but I also support HTTP2. And I might even support HTTP 3, right? In the case of Chrome, I don't want to throw another monkey wrench, but Chrome communicates with Google in quick API, which is the future HTTP 3 in the future. But I'm not going to, let's not go there yet, okay? Let's assume I want to support HTTP 2. So in the same client, hello, I'm going to tell you that, hey, I support HTTP 2. These are the ciphers. Here's my public keys and private keys and all this stuff. And here's the SNI, the server name indication, because you might be a public IP address serving hundreds of domains, right? I need to tell you which domain I'm actually communicating with, okay? And I'm communicating with Google.com, because your public IP address, which is what? 4.1.23, might serve gmail.com or might serve mail.google.com. Isn't that the same thing? I think it's the same thing. So I'm telling you the same thing. Put Google.com. That's my host name. That's the SNI. Okay. Send it over. HTTP. I think that's that's the whole thing, right? Quick, all that jazz. Firefox will only communicate, I think, with uh, H2 
right? I might be wrong, but if Chrome, it might actually communicate with Google Docom and it's a specific quick protocol, which is, uh, I think it stands for quick over UDP, something like that. I forgot what it means, right? But that's the future HTTP 3, which is basically, in a nutshell, the HTTP 2 protocol, but in a UDP connectionless thingy, right? So powerful stuff. Because of TCP, because of what we're doing, like TCP, there's always a handshake and, and three-way handshake, and it's very expensive to, 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 to do, right? So that's why they, they want to minimize this round trip as much as possible, okay? All right. We sent the client hello. Oh my God, we're still in the client hello, guys. Yeah, we, the server, right? The client hello will be packed in into an IP packet destined to 4123, port 443, source is, what was the uh, port, uh, port? 2222, and this destination, the source IP is 10.0.0.2. Do, do, do an ARP. Uh, I, I need to send it to the router because it's, 4412 is not there. I'm going to send it to the router, do a NAT, change it. Uh, I cannot let you go out there naked. Let me change your private public address to 44123, and then change, send it over. And we receive, finally, Google.com receives the client hello. Check that. Generates the public, no, generates the private, it's private key merges it with that merged key. So we get three keys and that three keys, the public, right? And the private and the private makes the symmetric key for the, for, for, makes an input called a hash or whatever it's called secret, right? That will go to, uh, to the decided cipher, right? So they said, okay, let's use, you support ES, you support Blowfish, you support all the jazz symmetric algorithm. Let's pick AES two fifty six, right? I might be wrong. I don't. I don't know what's the actual name. I'm not an, a security engineer, right? I'm so I'm a software engineer, all right? So we pick that best algorithm ever. Hopefully, we didn't get down uh, downgrade attack in the middle, right? So we give that. I'm just, I'm securing that. I'm gonna use that input from the three keys to generate the symmetric key for this AES encryption algorithm, and then then. I'm going to tell my server hello, send it a certificate because now I know which host do you want to connect to from the SNI, right? The server name and indication. So now I know that you want that certificate for gmail.com or that certificate for google.com or that certificate for, I don't know, lively.com. Lively was a, was a, was a site for Google back in early 2000, I remember. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you guys remember. Or Google Plus, right? So now I know I'm going to serve you the exact certificate that you actually asked for. Serve it back, right? Here's the here's my private key merged with the public key because nobody can break it. Send it over. Here is my certificate. Here is uh, other stuff as well, okay? Send it back to the router because that's the public IP address that people see, which is 44124. Send it back. Router does a NAT, change it back to Tinto 002, send it back to the server hello, receives it, and they, the client now has the two private keys, one from the server and one the public, the, and it has its own, obviously. It merges the three together and then generates the input, which now it knows this agreed about cipher was EAS. Take the EAS and then 
what it does is it takes that generates the symmetric key now both guys have the symmetric key they can now encrypt right and they can have live happily ever after whoa okay we have finally the encryption mechanism everyone can now start sending data because both have the symmetric key they can encrypt and decrypt with the same key because that's the fastest thing ever guys okay all right next step is almost done we're gonna send this first http request which is a get request we're gonna send a get request because now the enter we're still hitting enter guys all of this happened while this single key hit right we're still not done yet so we're sending a get request get slash take that right add some headers because we're building an http header right it says hey i'm visiting git slash the host header is google.com still we need that information okay um and then uh we might compress these headers content type if google.com ever had cookies before it's gonna start uh, sending those cookies building those cookies in the browser and sending them over with the request right uh because assuming we build it in the browser, that might change, right? If you're actually clicking a link versus visiting a browser, that's a completely different thing, right? Okay. So now, made that get request. Poof. We have the data. We have the headers. We have the body. The body is just literally, there's no body for get requests anyway. So we're not sending anybody. We're sending header. We're sending those stuff and cookies, perhaps. And then, poof, before we send it, we agreed, by the way, on HTTP2, but I forgot to mention that. In the, during the TLS handshake, server says, yo, you cool, you want to execute, because we did a ALPN, right? And the same client, hello, server agreed to HTTP2, okay? Let's assume I'm using Firefox, not, not Chrome, okay? And then I agreed to HTTP2, pure HTTP2. So now the client says, oh, oh, he, this guy wants to communicate HTTP2. I know HTTP2. And if you're using Chrome, you might agree, you have agreed to uh, using HTTP2 over Quick, all right? Or maybe HTTP3, if you're watching this three years from now, okay? So now, I got this now, I have the HTTP3, I got all that stuff, right? And now, I'm going to commute to HTTP2, so I, I build this, get the, this Git request, and then I have one TCP connection, and I need to commute to HTTP2. HTTP2 uses streams so I'm, I'm gonna build one stream of data i'm gonna put my headers along and put my body along i don't have anybody because i'm sending a get request so it's just just a stream with the headers i'm gonna compress it because http2 is awesome like that i'm gonna compress it i'm gonna make it into a binary format i had the piece of data i want to send next i take my symmetric key encryption which i did from the tls and i encrypt that piece of data and i send it across the binary protocol the beautiful http across the tcp connection which is what put the destination ip address at 4123 put the destination port is 443 and do that all jazz it's the exact same thing exact same thing we're not establishing a new tcp connection it's the same thing we're just going through the same route maybe the routes might change in the in the future but we don't care Okay, so it goes and goes through that stuff, right? Establish TCP connections. Sweet, all right. The whole packet the stream receives at the server. The server says, "Yo, this is 
this is get request and now it's up to the Google Google might receive that request and it's a load balancer so it might establish establish a connection on the back end if it's a layer 4 if it's a layer 4 load balancer then it doesn't really establish a TCP connection it just streams it back to the destination final back end if it's a layer 7 actually terminus TLS I'm not gonna go through that there's so much work there I'm gonna take me another two hours to explain that stuff so I'm gonna terminate that stuff I'm gonna receive it it says git slash what do you want for git slash right are there any rules are there any index HTML pages let's assume there's a simple index HTML pages which has the Google search I don't know how Google works on the back end I never seen that so I'm gonna assume there is an index HTML probably not but yeah let's assume there is something like that and then we're gonna stop building my headers because the server now to send send a response for that request right so it's, it's going to build the headers and it says hey the content type is actually html uh, uh, uh yeah i want you to set these cookies because i want i want to know you i'm going to track you sorry that's how google works we're going to track everybody so uh, yeah i know you i want this is the this is how i track you this is the cookies please set these cookies on your on your machine please and then do all that jazz and then Here's the thing. This is the HTML page. I want to, uh, this is the HTML page. Maybe it has a CSS link, uh, JavaScript, some, what else has other goofy stuff, maybe ESI, who cares, right? And then take the HTML. That's a body, right? And then create a stream for the body, create a stream for headers, send it off for the same TCP connection destined to my public IP address of the router, 44124. Uh, I forgot the port, what is it, 2222, yeah, 2222, and then send it back data. But before we send it, we compress it, because HTTP is cool like that, because we know how to compress things in HTTP2, okay? Then take that thing, and uh, we encrypt it, because I had the symmetric key. I forgot the step that was actually, we, need, we had to decrypt the data before actually we look at it, right? And we can decrypt it because we had the symmetric key, right? I keep forgetting stuff, but... You're, hopefully you're still with me guys so I encrypt that stuff encrypted send it over the network and once we send it over the network encrypted nobody can look at it right and then goes to the router router does a NAT reverse NAT send it back to the same machine my client receives this encrypted garbage and uses its symmetric key lock it unencrypted unlock it look at the data Hey, content type is HTML. And here's the thing, okay? If it's HTML, the browser will automatically start parsing it. If the content type is image, then the browser will start to render this image. If the content type is something else, the CSS, the, the JavaScript, the browser will start to execute that JavaScript, okay? That's how... That's how browsers work, right? There are some attacks, like called mime sniffing, where some servers didn't add this content type before, right? So they will just miss adding it because uh, web administrator back in the 90s or early 2000s, they were very lazy because you had to go manually and tell, okay, this, this is actually a picture. Oh, this is actually an HTML. Oh, we can go only on by the index, uh, by the... Uh, you're gonna go by the extension because that's not enough, right? The extension because you can you can actually send the responses without extensions. It's not really have to be files on disk for God's sake, right? You're sending data back. You have to tell me what kind of data is this. So there was this attack called mime sniffing, and we made a video about. It. I'm gonna reference it here. Go check it out. But 
browsers, if they don't see the content type, they try, browsers try to be uh, too clever by half. And what they do is actually, oh, there is no content type. Well, let me look at the body because from the body, I can actually infer what's the type. So start parsing the body and we'll say, hey, this is HTML. Let me execute it. This is a JPEG. Let me show it. And this caused a lot of attacks back in the back in the days okay now there's another header called the xs sniff don't sniff please or whatever i forgot what it is there's a header that tells this browser do not sniff it's weird okay anyway let's back 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 let's continue let's continue all right so we received that decrypted look at that content type html yeah let me parse it before we reach here let's add let's add Let's continue, let's continue, okay. So, HTML, receive it, parse it, look at it. Oh, this is HTML, okay, let me parse it. Uh, well, there is a JavaScript file that we need to download. There is a CSS file, there is a couple of images. Let's go and load those. So, what do we do, right? So, we turn around and make additional get requests for those resources. And we're lucky because we're using HTTP2. One TCP connection can do the whole thing for us. Because the whole thing will get its own stream. Stream ID for image one, another stream for image two, another stream for image three, another stream for CSS, another stream for JavaScript, and send it in parallel because we are cool like that. Okay, we're sending everything in parallel. Server receives it and then starts sending back the data, and uh, you, you get the idea. Right? There's an encryption, decryption going around, and then we get every file, and then the page gets rendered for us. Let's throw some. Monkey wrenches, guys. Let's throw the monkey wrenches. Let's assume the first get request that we sent, the server. My server supports HTTP2 push, okay? If the server supports HTTP2 push, which I'm not sure Google supports it. I'm pretty sure it does, but I'm not sure if it's activated or not because it has its own problem, right? If it does support it, before the HTML actually gets sent, right, back to the client, the brow the server will determine that hey by the way you're gonna need you you're i'm gonna send you index.html but you're gonna need this file and this file and this file and this file anyway so i'm gonna send you multiple streams back watch out that's called http2 push http h2 push is essentially re responses for requests that the client never made okay so that could be another path that things can go through, okay? And essentially, that's that's how, how it's done, right? Final thing, if we're using HTTP 1, the same thing will be exactly the same. There will be no encryption because HTTP 1 doesn't support encryption. Wait a second, that's wrong. Okay, yeah. HTTP 1, if it's on HTTPS, yes, it does support uh, it does support encryption if HTTP 1. What? If we're using HTTP 1, then the browser will establish six connections and will start piping those requests into six connections instead of one. So you will have different internal ports, essentially, on your router. All right, guys. Woo! That was a long video, okay? And that's how, essentially, what happens when you type google.com and hit enter. Hope you enjoyed this video, guys, right? It was very short, I know, I know, guys, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure I missed a lot of things. I'd love for all of you to type in the comment section below to let me know what I missed or and what did I say wrong if I said anything wrong because I want to become a better software engineer. That's my goal, right? And I want to become better. And uh, appreciate everything. You guys stay awesome. See you in the next one.